Welcome to the first episode of CTU Speaks. I'm Andrea Parker. And I'm Jim Staros. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teacher. I'm Andrea Parker. I am a teacher at Robert Fulton Elementary School. I teach middle school language arts and social studies. I am also a member of the executive board with CTU and the chair of the community. Committee. I'm Jim Starles. I teach at King College Prep. I teach government, law, U.S. history, and I've been a delegate at my school for the last six years. And we are so glad that you tune into this podcast. We're going to have a fun time explaining what's going on with CTU. So what are we going to speak about in this first episode of CTU Speaks? Let's talk about why we're doing a podcast and how we want to solicit everyone's input. I think that's a great idea. I think we need to talk to uh, CTU officers and get little uh, sound bites from them about what they think is important in our union and our contract. I think we all should talk about the question that people have been asking about all year. Are we striking? Yes, definitely. And we should be interviewing somebody from the big bargaining team that really knows what's going on with that. And I think Jen would be great for that. Yes, Jen Johnson, the chief of staff. I mean, she's in the know. Plus, she has a lot of expertise with being on the big bargaining team. That's true. We should also be talking about what CTU members can do to participate in this whole process, how we can get more involved and how we can structure this to be a better city and place for our students. Absolutely, because this podcast is all about what we can do to be a stronger union and to keep our members in the know. And yes, I'm proud to say I was a public school student. It was public school teachers that first taught me music. And yes, I'm proud to say I was a public school student. A public school teacher first taught me music. All right, so what a podcast, Jim. We want to make sure that our members know what's going on in our union and that they feel connected to each other and to leadership and to the city. I agree. I just think that our members need diverse ways of communication, and we want them to have a way to get involved. Um, podcast is a new trend now, and we want to make sure that we are keeping up to speed with our members and our ever-changing 21st century technology. And I think podcasts are definitely the way to go. People want to hear things on demand. And so podcasts, you can listen to them at any time, any place. Mm -hmm. And so we want to just keep um, our members abreast to what is going on in the easiest way possible. And just to keep them involved as well, because this will be interactive. It won't just be you and I, Jim. We definitely want to solicit more people to be involved. So we don't just want to talk to our members, though, Andrea. We want to make sure that we got connections with our partners, with people who are allies with us, with students, with parents, with anybody who's interested in what's going on in education in this city. Yeah, I think it'd be great to hear from teachers who are experienced buildings that are not clean. We've been having that issue for a very long time. And so just a teacher can talk about um, just being in the classroom that where they feel like their children are not in the most Sanitary, mm-hmm. sanitary conditions. We can also hear from people that um, their students aren't getting the right special ed hours. That's been a big problem we've had around the city that we've got these these issues with special needs students and the, the buildings aren't giving them their required minutes. And I hear that from members all over the city. And even from parents who feel like their children are not safe because we have these children of undocumented parents and, you know, we have, we're fighting for sanctuary schools and they're afraid to volunteer or afraid to give social security numbers or addresses because they feel like their children may be targeted. 
Speaking of being afraid, that's why we need to be talking to things about why we need restorative justice coordinators in buildings instead of just people policing them. We don't need to be dragged down a flight of stairs. We need to be we need to be nurtured within our buildings and protected. School should be a place where we're safe. Absolutely. And speaking of nurturing, we have a lot of homeless students and they are not getting all the services they, that they need to be able to function in school when children are hungry or they don't know where they're going to sleep or they're going mm-hmm. from house to house. How could they focus in school and complete all their homework when they don't have the service they need to function exactly. and be successful? So, Andreon, part of what we need to do is we want to interview the people that are making education policy throughout the city, our leaders of these partners and our ally groups. We want to hear from CTU officers and all these other organizations from around the city. I agree. That sounds good. I think that is so exciting and that will be such an uh, earful for our members so they can be involved. And we definitely want you involved. So we want to hear from you. If you have a testimony and you want to hear certain topics on our podcast, please do not hesitate to email us at ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. I'll say that again. All right. ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. That's right, Andrea. We want to hear from you guys at our email address. We also want you guys to be able to hear from members and our allies throughout this podcast. So throughout the whole thing, we're going to be hearing from different people. For example, from the May 22nd rally, we're going to hear from some speeches that were given there. Hope you guys were all there. It was a lot of energy and a lot of positiveness that are going throughout the city for what we're trying to do. We're also going to hear from our allies uh, and rank and file members outside the July 24th board meeting. Listen to me now. Not all the important lessons that we teach 
are taught in the classroom. In 2012, we taught the city a lesson about respecting our work. We taught the city a lesson about respecting the institution of public schools. And when Mayor Lightfoot was elected on the desire for change, we said, you know what, we want that too. We desire change also. And so we say, we will teach them too a lesson about respecting us. We will teach them too. We will teach the most powerful people in the city a lesson about who really does the work. A lesson about what's important in the city. A lesson about what happens when teachers leave, when we join with parents, when we join with students, when we make a movement, when we lift up our voices. And that voice and that movement rolls across the city like thunder. And when the city of Chicago becomes a sea of red, that is how we teach the most important lesson of all. Are you with me, sisters and brothers? get to the meat and potatoes like this big question that we've you probably heard all year jim mm-hmm. i've heard it all year mm-hmm. that three-word question are, are we striking? striking exactly what do you think jim well i do know that um candidate lightfoot and mayor lightfoot seem to be very different people mm, like a dr jekyll and mr hyde a little bit mm. and i'm hoping we don't get i forget which one's the bad one mr hyde mr hyde I'm hoping we don't get a really bad Mr. Hyde out of this. Mm-hmm. I do know that candidate Lightfoot supported elected school boards. She now did. she finds those to be unwieldy. You can't see my air quotes, but that's what I did. Um, she was all about equity in education and fighting against us spending tons of money for Lincoln Yards. Then she was okay with it. That concerns me. We've been without a contract since June 30th. That's right. And we already now the new fiscal year. And we might possibly be starting the school year without a contract. And we had this before, and we don't want this to Mm-mm. happen again. Even though Mrs. Lightfoot is new, we still want a contract. You know, we wanted a contract on July 1st, but we don't want to have it like last time we went into the school year, almost a year without a contract. We don't Mm-mm. want that. So Not we want that. to let our mayor know that we are serious, that we care about the concerns that affect our teachers, our students, parents, as well as our community. So Andrea, what are we really looking for in this contract? The four main things that we are looking for um, with CTU is paying benefits, staffing, class size, and justice for all students and their families. So Andrea, what are we talking about when we're talking paying benefits? What exactly do we mean by that? So basically, because we have had furlough days in the past, we've had... Um, pay freezes, Mm -hmm. we work a longer school day, and we work a longer school year. We want our pay, especially when you want quality teachers, we want our pay to reflect our work. And so we definitely want pay raises, and we want the health care to be a part of that. Um, In the past, we've had pay raises, but the health care costs ate them up. And so we want a raise, and we don't want the health care increases to eat up our raises. Makes sense. Yeah. And so in reference to staffing also, that's an issue too. So mm-hmm. what, do you think, what does that look like? Well, we all know staffing across the city has been a problem, but I think it's best to hear from a counselor that's experiencing this themselves. And this is Christy Brooks at the July 24th board meeting. My name is Christy Brooks. I'm a professional school counselor about to start my 14th year in Chicago Public Schools. Our demands are simple for counselors. We want to be allowed to do our jobs. We need protections in the contract. 
should not be substitute teachers, lunch and recess coordinators. We need to be actually allowed to work with students in a school counseling capacity. The other piece is we need to be able to bargain about things like this. If CPS is refusing to bargain over staffing issues, they're refusing to put protections in our contract to make our kids safer. So if you, if you notice, she starts off that clip by talking about she wants to be able to do her job. And that's what most of us want. That's what we want to be able to do. And, but we need adequate staffing and resource to be able to do that. You can't do a job effectively if you're doing four or five other jobs that aren't part of what you need to be doing for your students in your classroom. Plus, a lot of counselors, they have schools where they have four or 500 students and it's just one counselor That's crazy. to all of those students. And how can our students get the best that they deserve if you only have one counselor? Their ratio is that high. That also can include nurses because I know up until recently, we only hit a nurse twice a week. We recently got a nurse that's full time that is there every day. Wow. Because God forbid a, a kid needs medical assistance like an EpiPen and there's nobody there to assist. Twice a week is double what we have at my school. We only have them one day a week and that's only in the morning. So that's even more rough. And what about librarians? I know. And social workers and, you know, bilingual teachers. And speech pathologists and physical therapists. There's a whole litany of people we need in the classroom to be able to educate a child completely. And that's what we need. And it should not be based on just numbers of population, but every school deserves it. If one school has it, then every school should have it. We're exactly. all one district. So what about class size? We want to fight about that too. How does that fit into this whole situation with the contract? Class sizes are in the contract. However, they're not necessarily enforceable. We want to make sure that when a class becomes overcrowded, even by one student, that it is enforceable, that there's a new class to break up that class, or there are teacher aides to be able to assist that teacher. And we no longer want principals to be able to say there's not enough money in the budget, that mm -hmm. we know that you have oversized class, but we have no money to support that. We no longer want that to be an excuse. And we're not pulling in special ed teachers and subs to cover that thing for, for teacher aides in the classroom as well. That's correct. And lastly, our contract, we want justice for all students and their families. Well, we're going to hear a lot from Jen Johnson on this in a minute as well. But the big thing when we're talking about, we're talking about restorative justice counselors. We've all seen that thing in the news um, about those school resource officers that tased and, and beat that girl. Um, it was Very terrible. scary. It was scary. I mean, how can you learn in an environment like that? You can't. And, and we want to make sure that people like that are not part of our school community. This is not somebody trying to help our schools, to help our students. They come at it from a totally different, different way of seeing so when we're talking about justice for uh, students and their families, we're talking outside the school building as well. We're talking about fair housing. We're talking about sanctuary schools in a sanctuary city. We're talking about a place where students feel safe on the streets and they're not scared to walk to school. And this is part of the whole, the whole student that we get in our classrooms. If these types of situations drive families from the city, then there are no students for us to teach. And that's something that is an educational issue and does need to be addressed in our contract. Yeah. And by the way, I really um, like those topics, especially the, um, the restorative justice. I think we can do a whole podcast just on that one issue. That sounds great. We need a lot of clarification on what that means for us and our students. That brings us back to the meat and potatoes. Are we striking? 
Well, whether we strike or not, we need to be strike ready. Because we got to remember, we don't get what we deserve in the classroom. We get what we fight for. And we need a 75% vote. Whether we strike or not, we got to have at least that number of people in our, in our union ready to strike. Now, we can't strike until the last week of September. So that's not the issue there. But we got to get ready for it well before that so that the mayor and our principals can see that we are ready and willing to fight for what we deserve for us and for our students. And what does ready look like? I would think that one way to be ready is, again, for everyone to know those four major themes that we are fighting for. Um, So those points are pay and benefits, staffing, class size, enforceable class sizes, and justice for all students and their families. Mm -hmm. So in order to be prepared for that, I think one thing that we have to do also is to make sure that on day one, or at least the first week that we are back at school, that we are having a union meeting. Um, We should know who our delegate is and we should know where we are in the contract. And the wonderful Jen Johnson is going to tell us where we are and what next steps are to prepare us what that looks like. Also, we always talk about saving our coins. So Mm -hmm. if there's potential strike, please make sure that you save your pennies to make sure that you don't get tempted to cross that picket line and to make sure that you stand strong. That's right. We also need to make sure our contract action teams are in place and that our PPCs are strong within the building so we can take these issues and we can fight them in the building and bring it to the contract table. So after the break, we'll be right back with Jen Johnson, the chief of staff of the Chicago Teachers Union. of sitting with the wonderful Jen Johnson, who is the chief of staff of the Chicago Teachers Union. Thank you for joining us today on our very first episode of this podcast. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And I'm sure our members are excited to hear what you got to say about what's going on, especially with bargaining. So can you just talk to us a little bit about what you do for the Chicago Teachers Union and where we are in bargaining? Sure, no problem. So I'm a former high school history teacher. I taught at Lincoln Park High School. What, what? For 10 years. (laughs) Um, And then somehow I ended up on staff at CTU. Somehow. Was not in the plans, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um, currently I'm chief of staff. So I try to help our officers make sure that we're running the union in an aligned direction, right? And work with our staff to ensure we're all on the same page. One part of my work that um, is really important to the contract campaign, though, is working on the Sustainable Community Schools Initiative, which is one in the last contract. We have 20 schools that we are working in partnership with the district in order to have additional staffing, wraparound supports, after-school programs, community input, shared leadership. Um, So we're really proud of that win in the last contract, and that's a part of our, our fight. So it's just at 20 schools right now? It's only at 20 right now, and in our demands, we're hoping to uh, raise it up to 75 total, which is a big ask. That can increase this school year? 
So, so far we've gotten CPS to agree to extend funding and the program for the existing 20 for this coming school year, but bargaining is ongoing. Okay. Yeah. So you asked me where we are in, in bargaining. Um, so we've, we're still bargaining regularly with uh, the board, you know, Jim Franzek, the general counsel for CPS is the same uh, general counsel who was at the table under Rahm Emanuel. So that's kind of an interesting thing that has stayed the same. Um, and we are currently in the phase of fact finding. And so our demands have been submitted to a neutral fact finder. CPS put in their um, demands that they're willing to bargain with us over. And we're about to proceed into this phase where this neutral third party is supposed to tell us what's reasonable. And just let's remember right. that that process is only right. in place, right? Because of the Rahm Emanuel's of the world who mm. put this mm -hmm. in our, um, put this into law, right? To make it harder for us to bargain, make it harder for us to go on strike. So we don't necessarily expect what the fact finder decides to actually satisfy our needs, but it's going to be an opportunity for us to elevate our demands, right? The fact finders report will be public right before we go back to school. Um, and so this is, this conversation is going to escalate both in our schools when we go back, right? And in the public. Absolutely. So what are our four or our main demands um, that we are bargaining for? Yeah. So we, we have tried to categorize them in four big areas so they're easy to understand. Um, we had lots of member input to get to this point. You know, our, our citywide professional problems committee was involved, our executive board, the entire House of Delegates. But our demands fall into four main areas. So it's been a minute since we've gotten raises, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Has. We've experienced this freeze, freezes, furloughs, and cuts in our schools. So one of the things we are demanding is we've asked for 5% raise increases in every year of the life of the contract. You know, we're not in agreement with the district about duration. They're going to want a longer contract and we'll probably want a shorter contract. But we're saying we've got to see sub substantial raises this time around. Mm -hmm. We also want to make sure that paraprofessionals get additional pay increases. We're looking to not only get a COLA for our paraprofessionals, but we're seeking, uh, they call them grade changes for paraprofessionals because they don't right. have steps and lanes, right? Okay. Our paraprofessionals are the backbone of our community, are mostly black and brown women of color, um, and they deserve special recognition for the work that they do, mm -hmm. and their pay is, is stagnated especially, um, and that's a problem. Healthcare is a huge issue that's a part of that. Um, we need to see rollbacks on some of the cost increases, right? right? Um, most of our members are women. Most of them are heads of families. And so pay and benefits are really critical this mm -hmm. time around. And we think the board's in a better financial position. Uh, our second bucket is staffing, and this is huge, right? We all have experienced cuts in our schools. Yep. There's like 125 schools out of 500 plus that have a librarian at this point. That is Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I agree. Unacceptable. We have maybe a hundred certified school nurses for all of our 500 schools. Those are the mm -hmm. most highly trained nurses, right? And then we have paraprofessional nurses of different categories trying to make up for that. It's just, it's not right. No, right. So we've demanded additional uh, counselors, clinicians, special education teachers, bilingual teachers, librarians. And then we're also trying to have conversations about like new, newer positions. How do we have more restorative justice coordinators to deal with um, um, the climate and conditions in our schools. This one we should come back to, I think, because the mayor is starting to talk about staffing and what she thinks about that publicly. So let's let's flag that and come back. The third big bucket area is class size. You know, and, and we know some schools experience low enrollment and class size is not an issue, but in some schools it, it is a huge crisis, right? And, and teachers and staff who are already thin are having to deal with, you know, 42 kids in a kindergarten class. 
Right. The mayor's kids certainly do not experience that um, currently. And the previous mayor's kids didn't experience that, right? So something's got to change. Uh, so we think getting enforceable language on class size is huge. And both staffing and class size are subjects that technically state law says the board doesn't have to bargain over. So we're, we're pushing the envelope here. And it's time for that state law to change. We've been working on passing that, that um, law, right, to get rid of that restriction. So when you say enforceable language, what does that mean? Yeah, so our contract is only as strong as our ability to enforce it, right? Otherwise, it's just words on the page. Um, but technically, um, there are some issues that are called um, permissive subjects of bargaining under state law. The Amendatory Act of 1995 took away our right to make the board bargain with us over subjects like staffing, class size, subcontracting, and privatization. Um, so right now, we have language on class size, right? We can file class size referrals. There's some money that can help increase staffing, but it's not enough, right? And so we, we think we ought to be able to grieve when there's an overage in class size and get that process to help back us up, right, to help get us relief. And so we're saying it's time. It's time for them to allow us to much more critically enforce that language and reduce the numbers, um, the caps of class size. So when you say enforceable class size, that means that a principal can't say, you say, I got 40 kids in my class, and a principal currently can say, well, you know, there's no, not enough money in the budget to get another classroom or teacher's aid. So with this new contract, they can't have it as an excuse. We're hoping that we would be able to take it through the grievance process. So at least uh, a hearing officer or an arbitrator would be able to make a ruling, right, that could reverse the, what the principal says, right, and to have to force the board to address the staffing issues. Now, would that also mean that we can't, at me as a principal, say, oh, okay, you're a special ed teacher. You can go in and be the teacher aide in this classroom so we can kind of make it look like we have an aide in there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of the staffing demand, too. Too, right. We need more teacher assistance. We, we've had a loss of paraprofessionals who are our classroom aides. Um, that's absolutely on the table uh, this time. Good. Yeah. And then the, the last bucket of the four is we have demands that we're kind of saying are central around justice for our communities. You know, we are proposing that the Sustainable Community Schools Initiative expand so that there's more community partnerships in our schools. We are demanding that the board address housing, right? Housing right. is increasingly mm -hmm. unaffordable for both ourselves, right, as Absolutely. teachers, mm -hmm. right? I don't own a home, um, and our students. And so the board needs to work with us to figure out, are there programs that we can put in place that help teachers, that help our families? Um, and then we have other demands around, like, culturally relevant curriculum right. and bilingual education. This is a black and brown school district, right? 90% of our students are black, brown, Asian, American, Indian, and our curriculum needs to reflect that and our teaching force needs to reflect that. All right. Sounds good. So where are we? Are, do you feel like the demands are being met? Are we being heard? Is there mounting pressure on the board? So it's been slow. Okay. Um, we've had a hard time having the board actually be responsive. And the only thing that has worked is pressure. So recently, you know, we've seen um, members speak at the Board of Education mm -hmm. this week, which was phenomenal. We've had members flyering at L stations, right, and speaking to members of the public. Um, and this is starting to force the mayor to have to respond. We've been very clear that we need to bargain over staffing, right? So she's responded, Mayor Lightfoot has said, well, I want to address staffing, but I don't want to put it in your collective bargaining agreement. I don't want to put it in the contract. And I think the pressure forced her to say something, right? People are, mm -hmm. are, are in agreement with us. Our students, our parents, they know we need more nurses and librarians and counselors. 
Right. And so she had to say something. Right. And now her line is, well, I'm going to deal with it, but I'm not going to put it in the contract. Right. But we just talked about what putting something in the contract is supposed to mean, that it's enforceable. Enforceable. And this mayor has talked about wanting to be transparent and accountable, right? Um, Well, then she needs to put it in the contract so we can make sure that she is being transparent and accountable Mm -hmm. um, about staffing our schools. So the pressure that um, is mounting is having an effect. It's making her have to respond. Um, and w- you'll be hearing more about this, but we did receive a, a responsive counter proposal around subcontracting and privatization of some of our staff, nurses, social work. And yet she's still refusing to bargain over actually staffing up positions, right? So it's having an effect, right? We're getting some response, but we've got to increase the pressure. We need parents, students, and members to be you know, loudly saying it is time to staff our schools. Now, when you, when you say that she's refusing to bargain over that, does she come to bargaining and no. talk with you? <laughs> Great question. Wow. Everybody, okay. everybody thinks, you know, we're like sitting across from her, but no, she, she needs to stay, you know, from her calculus, she needs to stay as far away as humanly possible. Right. She has to have her proxies at the table. Um, so no, she doesn't come to bargaining. It's, there's about four attorneys there um, mm. from the CPS right. side. Wow. We nice. just got another one added. So oh, there's wow. lots of lawyers in the oh, room. Got money for uh, that. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, you know, they have, have um, at least one network chief, the deputy chief of staff is there, and then Latanya McDade, who I think folks are the most familiar with, um, are at the table. She's the chief education officer, so she okay. does attend. So on our end, who attends Barton? Who's yeah. part of Barton? Who represents the, the teachers? Yeah, that's right. So I'm at the table. Right. Uh, yes. um, lots of my time is eaten up at the table. <laughs> and um, obviously our four officers. So Jesse, Stacy, Crystal, and Maria are at the table. We have general counsel. So our lead attorney at bargaining is named Robert Black. Folks can look him up. He's a well, um, has a great reputation as a labor attorney. He worked on a lot of our charter contracts mm-hmm. um, this past year. We also have our in-house attorney, Thad. Good child. So we have two attorneys at the table. Um, and then our head of the grievance department, Sarah Echeverria, also is at the table. But I think what makes us really unique is that we um, always try to look for opportunities to involve staff and members at the table, right? So if we're talking about healthcare, we're going to bring Annette Rizzo to the table because she has all of this knowledge and expertise. Um, we have a rank and file bargaining team. Uh, 40 members. We often have sessions where they are all invited and then periodically there'll be subgroups of them invited to the table to talk because we're, we're on a specific topic. Right. Right. Yeah. So what does bargaining really look like? Cause in, in my mind, I just see the, the board sitting there and we say, could we do this? And they're like, no. <laughs> and so what, what does it really look like from your perspective, sitting there at the table with, with or without the other members there? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're bargaining over a document. So it's kind of this bizarre universe where you're trying to make words on a page, right? Contract proposals real, right? So it's a, sometimes it's about us and our members, um, giving the rationale by painting a picture of what does it look like to have 42 children in a classroom and what could it mean if you staff a teacher assistant or if you open a second classroom, right? So there's a lot of, um, kind of envisioning and discussion Mm -hmm. around what it actually looks like and what it means and why it's important. Um, the board certainly sometimes gives us speeches 
especially their lead attorney kind of telling us, well, this is how it really is. And this is why we can't do X. And this is why y'all are, you know, going too far. There's wow. some speechifying. <laughs> wow. nice. um, and then, you know, we do caucus. Like we, we never want to be in a position at the table where we're being forced to give an answer that we're not ready to give. Or, you know, we want to make sure that we consult with our members on the bargaining team. So sometimes we'll take a break and caucus. Right. Um, when it's productive, we're actually exchanging counter proposals, right? New pieces of paper are, are crossing the table and the board's giving a little bit, right? And at certain points, we'll have to give a little bit. We haven't given much back at this point because it hasn't been super okay. substantive. It's a lot of hours sitting at this table though. So you were on the bargaining team when Rahm Emanuel was mayor. Yes. And now you're on it with Lori Lightfoot. Yes. So what, what is different? Is it, is it any different now? Is it better, worse, similar? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I haven't seen substantial differences in bargaining. Like I said, the lead attorney is the same person, Jim Franzek, who has bargained with CPS um, for decades, like decades. He's responsible for um, doing work behind the scenes to put in place the law that made it harder for us to strike. So in that regard, not much has changed. You know, the, some of the CPS players have changed. You know, the fact that it's Latanya McDade, who's the head of, right, um, is different. But in some ways, like really not the, the back and forth hasn't changed that much. The, the mayor is still calling the shots from outside of the room, just like under Rahm Emanuel. I think what is different are things like board of education meetings are starting to change. You know, mm -hmm. um, I was told just today that our members were able for the first time this past week to bring their water bottles into the board of education. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Right. Revolutionary. Big change. Right, right. No, right. No, I think the bar is a little low right now. Mm -hmm. We're, we're, we're mm -hmm. actually almost too satisfied with small changes like that. Right. Wow. Like, cause it's been Eight, you know, how many ever years right. of ROM being His regime. exactly so small yeah. changes. Yeah. We don't want to get wrapped up in small changes. We need bigger changes. Yes. So based on all that you experienced with bargaining and where we are with um, the mayor and the new board, do you anticipate a strike? You know, I think none of us want to strike, but if the mayor continues to refuse to work with us on the key issues that matter to students, parents and members, we have to plan for a strike. We have to be ready. We need additional staff in our schools. The school year is not going to feel different for our educators and for our students if we don't see substantial changes. So I, I can't predict the future, but at this point, it feels very possible that we're going to need to send the, the greatest possible message to the, to the city that we will fight for what we need for our schools. We've got to be strike ready. And what do you say to teachers who may say, I don't know, I was ready to strike last time, we didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, why should I uh, check yes mm -hmm. under the strike authorization vote in which we need 75% of all voting members to vote yes? Why That's right. should somebody check that if it comes to that point? Yeah, pressure is the only thing that makes powerful people concede. We need to be ready for that strike authorization vote because we've got to send a message to the mayor that we're united and powerful and that we're going to fight for what we need. Hopefully, you know, just that pressure means that we get what we need at the table. Um, because if, if we don't authorize ourselves to take the, right. the ultimate action, right. right. We've taken away our own power. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I hope we don't have to strike. That's going to depend on what is um, on the table from the mayor, um, before we come back to school. Right. right? So we're going to have major updates, hopefully to share with members those first couple of weeks, and then we'll go from there.
Where can we find information about those updates? Yeah, so there's a contract uh, campaign page on the CTU website. If folks haven't spent time on ctulocal1.org, the revamped website is kind of beautiful and impressive. It's much nicer. Right? So people need to go there, check it out. We also are active on Facebook, Twitter, all of that. All right. So, Jenny, anything else you want to leave our members with knowing as we approach the new school year? Just that I appreciate them and I hope they're getting rest this summer. Once they're rested, though, hopefully they're seeing our emails about coming out and flyering at L stops, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Reaching out to folks in their own communities. Get your contract action teams ready before we're back to school because we're going to hit the ground running. And I think we're going to win. Of course we will. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. That's Jen Johnson. Chief of Staff of the Chicago Teachers Union. Thank you again for listening. And hopefully we'll you'll come back again and talk with us on our podcast. I love Jen. talking to you both. Sounds okay. great. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, we gotta wrap this up, Jim. I had a really good time. Me too. I'm, I'm not ready to go, Me but, neither, but we you know, all good things do come to an end, uh-huh. right? Okay, until right. next time. So we want you all to be active in our in our fight for a fair contract. So there are many things we would like for you to do. They're small and they're definitely doable. So the first thing I will say is attend the next board meeting, which is going to be Wednesday, August 28th. That sounds good. And we if we can't do that, we can all at least wear red on the first day of school. Everybody yeah. got, got our T-shirts. If you don't have one of them, wear anything red. Wear a red hat. I'm good with that. A red tie is cool, red too. Red ties are nice. Yeah, they I are. <laughs> I bet you do. All I right. got to give me one. Okay. Um, also, get involved with your PPC and CAT teams. So, if you don't know what the PPC is, it's the Professional Problems Committee. Which is a dumb name. I know. Jen doesn't like it. I don't like it. So, it's a way that you, as a delegate and people involved, can meet with your principal and discuss issues that are specifically affecting your school. And that also where you can show unity. And the contract action teams are important too. Um, back in 2012, I was one of the strike captains for Me our too. strike. Nice job. And those strike captains were the leaders of these contract action teams within the building. What that is, is you have members in your building that are going to be informed by your delegate. That way, the delegate doesn't have to try to talk to every member in the building. It's sort of like back in the day when we had those phone trees where your mom called your neighbor and then your neighbor called three other neighbors. Same thing, but in the building this time. Cool. Mm-hmm. Also, we're going to have the Bud Billick Parade, which will be August 10th. CTU will have a float as always. Mm-hmm. So be there to support um, the teachers. Oh, wait. I just heard we're going to have a double-decker bus. So I don't have to walk this time? I don't think so, oh, Jim. that'd be great. We know those legs are not as young as they used to be. Nice. <laughs> Also, call or email us your stories. We would love to hear Please. from you. Our email address is ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. You can also follow us on social media and all the major social media platforms at CTU Local one Yes, last but not least, visit the Southside Labor Day Parade. It's not actually going to be on Labor Day because you should rest from your labor. Mm -hmm. It's actually going to be on Saturday, August 31st. And you'll be joined by our great alderwoman, Susan Selowski-Garza. So meet us on 112th and Ewing. And for all events, please visit our website, www.ctulocal1.org slash events. 
All right, one last thing. I want to make sure everybody knows you can find our podcast on the website and please share that podcast on your favorite social media platform. You can also subscribe to our podcast through your favorite podcasting platform. And if you cannot find it there for whatever reason, because we should be everywhere by now, please contact us at CTU Speaks at CTULocal1.org and we'll make sure that we get that up there for you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode of CTU Speaks, where I am one of your co-hosts, Andrea. And I am Jim. And we'll be back soon for another episode of CTU Speaks. So please subscribe and be a faithful listener and tell your friends. Mm-hmm.